Welcome to another pint with Shawnee B coming to you from Dublin, a very sunny day. And we're inside in a hotel just because of noise reasons, etc. And we're having a cup of coffee in, on a Sunday morning. And I have a very interesting guest all the way from America, an actress and writer. She's here with her one woman show, Hedy, all about the life of Hedy Lamar. And her name is Heather Massey. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Massey, a very Irish name. Have you got Irish in you? I have at least a quarter. Very famous funeral directors here. I have seen that. People are dying to meet them. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a sunny day out and uh, there was a girl out putting her sunscreen on and I said, oh, yes, my fellow Irish person because I'm a, I burn in freckle. Yeah, you sunbathe through a tea strainer, as you say. (laughs) (laughs) So my, my sister can tan but I burn in freckle so it's lovely to be here amongst the burning frecklers who understand <laughs> my plight Did you, do you know where your Irish ancestry is from or have um, you done my, research on that yeah my great-grandmother was from Ballybunion oh. and she came over to the states and married my great-grandfather who was an O'Mara but we're not sure exactly where he came from I think, I think he was second or third generation okay. in the states and have you been so. down to Kerry Yes, visited cousins down there. I'm from down there, my, my on my mother's yeah. side, yeah. yeah, so yeah. I love it down there. It's my favorite part, Dingle, Connor Pass, all that oh. sort of stuff. Yeah. So you're here with, uh, we'd probably start with what you're doing at the moment yes. and then maybe work back to how you got to where you, what you're doing at the moment. You're doing a one-woman show that's been reviewed and awarded all over the world. And you, you do it on your own. I, yes. So there's this uh, famous Hollywood starlet who's Austrian, born in Vienna, I think, and yes. her name was Hedy Lamar. Or more properly, Hedy Lamar. Hedy Lamar. States- she does all the accents here. We're probably gonna <laughs> probably gonna get a bunch of Austro-Prussian accents coming on the show. So she was a famous starlet in the twenties and thirties, at the start of the golden age of Hollywood. She was one of the most beautiful women in the world, but she had a backstory. What is it? Oh, oh, so she had a lot of interests. One of them and a lot was of husbands. And a lot of husbands. <laughs> and a lot of phases to her life. Well, the thing was that, yes, she was a famous Hollywood film star, mostly the 30s, 40s, and 50s, so spanning World War II. She was known as the most beautiful woman in the world, so when people were stunned by her beauty, literally speechless at, mm. at times, they didn't really look beyond that to see how intelligent she was. So she was the most beautiful woman in the world and everyone thought she was, because every woman who's beautiful is supposed to be dumb. Dumb, right. Her only purpose is to look beautiful. What was the line she used? Any girl can be glamorous. All you have to do is to stand still and look stupid. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, so the thing was that uh, she really did know how to think. When she was quite young, her father really fostered her interest in how things work. Her son Anthony still has a music box that she took apart to see how it worked when she was young. She wanted to know how it worked, so she took it apart and put it back together. That music box plays into the key to her invention. That's the really interesting thing that we're going to get to later. She was born Hedvig Eva Maria Kiesler, and her parents were Emil Kiesler, a banker and... Gertrude Kiesler, who had been a pianist, she sort of gave up her concert pianist career, what would have been, mm. in order to have uh, a marriage and family. So Hetty had this brain that could analyze things and understand them. So at one point in Vienna, her first husband was Fritz Mondel, and he was an Austrian arms dealer, third wealthiest man in Austria, 
and uh, was basically a trophy wife. She had already appeared in film, but he didn't let her act anymore. There was an orgasm scene or something he wasn't too happy about. Right, right, right. So she had appeared on stage and in some films and uh, was very bold in getting what she wanted. She just walks into the movie studio and asks for a job. And so the film that you're talking about is Ecstasy, a Czech art film that was right when uh, sound came in to picture. So there's dialogue, but very little of it. So there is a scene where she runs through a field naked and swims in a lake and she spied. So her name is Ava in this, Eva, Ava. And uh, Adam is the character who ah. spies her, right? See what they did there. Yeah. And uh, so she has just, she's a very young bride in this, and she's just married an older gem- gentleman who's impotent. So she's excited for the wedding night, and he just falls asleep in the loo, I think. Right. Um, so, uh, so Adam spies her swimming naked in the lake, and then they have a liaison because she's feeling very neglected in her marriage. Mm-hmm. There's a scene of, it's very artistic and I feel non-literal in terms of anything pornographic, yeah. I think. Well, it was a, we were in the 20s, or 30s now, are we? Or... Uh, yes, so she was about 17. Um, she was born in 1914. This is the first depiction of female orgasm in legitimate film. Is that right? Yes. Wow. I mean, she has all her clothes on. There's no motion involved. A shot of her face, basically, and her arms. Because the story is that the director wasn't getting what he wanted, so he took a safety pin and poked her in the bottom to get the reaction that he wanted. (laughs) Yeah. We're here to talk about you rather than her, but she went, she got to America somehow. She became a Hollywood starlet. Now, just paint this, which, you know, anyone, I suppose, who might know anything about movies might well have heard of her. She's certainly up there with Marlena Dietrich and all these kind of Europeans who went over there, right? Mm-hmm. But tell me a bit more about this backstory of hers that she had, that she was secretly an inventor and right. she was, you know, she got from her, as you said, from her father. So she escaped this somewhat oppressive marriage in that she wasn't able to do the things she wanted to do. She was basically a trophy wife. Mm. She had a lot more ambition than to just be Fritz Mondel's wife. So there's a, a fantastic story about her escape and um, journey to Hollywood and her getting a contract with Louis B. Mayer at MGM Studios. Mm-hmm. Once she's in Hollywood and the, the war is ramping up, World War II, she's very concerned about especially children being killed while they're being shipped out of the cities that are getting bombed. Yeah. When they're being shipped to safety in other countries but get killed by a torpedo as they're, as they're going to supposed yeah. safety. So she drew on the knowledge that she had picked up while being married to Fritz Mondel. It was all the buyers of ammunition, all the world leaders were coming in mm. and having dinner parties, and she was just to sit there and look pretty. But she understood what they were saying. She was sponging everything up. Yeah, they didn't yeah. know. I mean, just she, she picked it up naturally. Who mm. knew that she would have a reason to, to maintain that knowledge or to absorb it? So once she's in Hollywood and wanting to support the Allied forces in her new country, she drew on that knowledge. She really loved to spend time at home at her drafting table with her research texts and invent things. So she invented this thing, if I'm right, that you could block 
a guided missile, a torpedo from a submarine. Is that right? Or was it, uh? Exactly, exactly. So it was a communication system for torpedoes. Yeah. The problem with torpedoes at the time is they were very inaccurate because the guidance systems were kind of clunky or they were easily intercepted by the enemy. So if you launched a torpedo, the enemy could, if it were being guided by a radio frequency, they could figure out Jam. what frequency that is and misguide the torpedo so it wouldn't hit their ship. Now, of right. course, on the other side, that's what you want to do. Yeah. But to have a more powerful weapon in order to win a conflict like mm. World War II, you need to have the best technology. So she created the secret communication system. So that's using multiple radio frequencies and jumping around from one to another yeah. such that the enemy can't Find it. discover it. And today that has translated to things like Bluetooth and yes. how we switch from mobile phone right. frequency to frequency. Right. right. Amazing. The, uh, she called it Frequenzsprungverfahren, which is frequency hopping, and it's also now called spread spectrum technology, used in cell phones, Wi-Fi, GPS, Amazing. Bluetooth, all of these amazing things. When did when did she get credit for this? 1997. Right, and the she patent. died in 2000. And 2000. 2000. January so just 19, before she died. 2000. Yeah. She so, finally got mm -hmm. bestowed this. The patent was in 1942. And she did, she died kind of a bit reclusive and mm -hmm. over made up from Botox and everything and plastic surgery and. Yeah. She wasn't appearing in public. She was talking to people on the phone and they. Yeah, right. she she spent a lot of time on the phone. But she's become she, this kind of. Dare I say, feminist icon. That's what. That's part Recently. of my mission. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's mission. only happened really since her death. Is that right? Since after her death. After I mean, her death. Okay. I mean, it's been her son Anthony's mission for people to know his mother's story, and finally, that's happening. Right. Um, Did she get money from this? Not no. a cent. She and her co-inventor George Antile. We can get to him in a minute. He was a piano player. Yes, yes, right, yes right. an avant-garde composer. And they gave the patent to the U.S. Navy to support the war effort. And the Navy shelved it. They couldn't understand the concept. It came from a Hollywood star and a composer. And what do they yeah. know about yeah. anything? So this arrogance of how could this be worth anything? Mm. Let it just sit there until the late 50s. The patent was still in effect at that time. So they should have gotten some compensation. But they didn't know it was being used. And then it was used during the Cuban Missile Crisis. The way I say it in the play is once Khrushchev learned that the United States torpedoes were foolproof, he announced that the Soviet oh, Union really? removed their missiles from Cuba. It was also starting to be used, I believe, in the other communication systems at the right. time. So the patent was declassified in 1985, which I believe is when it started being used in... Well, in the technologies that we're new, now using today, I believe that that's sort of the advent of how we have all this mobile technology, wireless technology that we're using now. Yeah. So you've created a one-woman play about this. There's 33 characters. You play them all. You come out dressed as a 1930s starlet and you change from New York booking guys to Hollywood guys to Austrian and Hungarian guys you have 33 different characters in it yes how did you get bitten by the the heady bug oh my goodness okay so this this whole story goes back to the story of my life which well, goes back to third grade great. let's go back to where, which but, is where uh, you're from Virginia right I'm from Virginia yeah and what sort of a family were you born into um my parents have done so many different things right when I was young my mother was working as a registered nurse at the okay. time. She founded the nursing program at Radford University. And um, 
my father, he, he started in aerospace engineering and ended up having uh, getting a business degree before being drafted for Vietnam. And when he came back, he got a master's in art wow. and became a professional photographer. He and my mother, this is what I really remember from my childhood, he and my mother had a freelance photography business, Massey Photography. In a lot of ways, I grew up as a starving artist, and I still am one, right. uh, but I try not to, I try to focus on the artist part, not the starving part. <laughs> <laughs> and, and are uh, they still around, your folks, and together? Yes, and yeah? yes. Okay, great. So they both also were television news reporters oh. for a time. My father went on to be a university photographer for Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, Virginia, which is where I grew up. Okay. And then he was the media supervisor at the veterinary school, the Virginia Maryland College of Veterinary okay. Medicine. So you, it sounds Medicine. like you have parents who were not afraid of jumping careers or changing into new things no, or taking on yeah, new challenges yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Especially my mother. My mother, that's just the tip of the iceberg for what my mother's done. Yeah. She headed a chapter of Make Today Count, which is for bereavement for people who've lost loved ones. She founded the New River Valley Hospice, a nonprofit hospice, wow. to help people who are dying. Ended up getting a doctorate in public administration. She worked in Washington, D.C. for a bit, writing policy, and she was in uh, New York City for a year with the Commissioner on Aging. She is an interfaith minister. Wow. Okay. She. There are lists and lists. And was lists she when you were growing up? Was it a was it a happy childhood that you had when you were growing up, or was they very strict, or were they? It was a, a mix of a lot of things. I. I've, I don't no. have to talk if you don't want to. We can talk about something else. No, you, no, no. I just, you know, you have thoughts and something made me be emotional for a moment. Okay. You know, I am an actor, so yeah, yeah. my emotions can be right sure, right, right sure, there at sure, the front. So I, I feel like there was a lot of love there. There were also things that made, um, you know, you know, every parent has things that have, have happened in their own lives that are challenging when facing uh, being heads of their own family. Right. So, you know, I will say some of those things were challenges for all of us. Yeah. But I definitely knew and know that they love me very much. Yeah. Well, how many how many brothers and sisters have you got? You, the sister One here. Sister, the sister is here. Dr. Okay. Shannon Chance. And were you the youngest? My, I'm the youngest. Okay. Yeah. So my upbringing was very affected by the Irish Catholic side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was definitely raised Church Catholic. And all that. Yeah. Yes, guilt yes. and shame and all that. Yeah. Stuff. Oh, guilt and shame. Oh, guilt Don't worry, and shame. we all have shame, it here. Guilt and shame. So <laughs> you brought up by the we nuns were... in no, school? No, no, okay. no, no. My my mother did go to Catholic school, and I think she was pretty happy that we were not. Okay. <laughs> so when you were little, did you have a interest in drama, acting, arts, or? You know what I. I believe I did, but there was no real outlet for it. I do remember having an interest in it, even in middle school, which mm-hmm. is sixth, seventh, eighth grade where I grew up. But there was there was really no way to be involved in that. But I think my interests were more in the um, science realm. Okay. So when I was saying, oh, the story of how I got to Hetty goes back to yeah. third grade. Yeah. In third grade, when I was about eight, I decided I wanted to be an astronaut or an inventor. And I think the third thing was work with animals. There okay. were three things. And I basically, well, I knew work with animals would be hard because being a veterinarian, you have to be able to put animals to sleep when the owner says yeah. yes, even though they, you know, I would have problem with that. And my role model for inventor was white man, of course, Thomas Edison. 
that's why I'm trying to change that by yes. putting Hedy Lamarr's yeah. face there instead yeah. in, in, in the minds of yeah. young people and older people as well. I really settled on astronaut. The, the space shuttle program was really going strong at that point. Yeah. And it was really inspiring to me in the same way that the Apollo program was inspiring to generations before. Yeah. So I really focused on my science studies. Mm-hmm. Even though I had interest in theater, I didn't think it was something I would do. I would see actors being interviewed on Tonight Show and whatnot. Oh, I always knew I would want it to be an actor, blah, blah, blah. And I had this like stupid notion of, well, okay, but when you want to do something useful, (laughs) which is is now very ironic and misled at that point. I'm like, I thought the sciences were the only place where you can make a real difference. And I know that's not true now. But also a lot of people, when you say you're being an actor, want to be an actor, they don't take you seriously. It's, you know, know, in a a lot of ways you can look at that as someone who was very self-involved and, but uh, it's it's really not, I mean, it's really more about giving of yourself and it's about being vulnerable and showing the human condition so that other people can process life through your work. There's so many things that art does. So where did I, the, when did the pendulum start switching from well, from science to more of the arts in, and humanities? In, in university, yeah. I really focused on science and math. Where and did you go to university? I started university at the uh, University of Virginia in astrophysics. So... It's not rocket science, or it is? <laughs> no, well, it's basically physics. So astronomy is a branch of physics. Mm. But you're still thinking, I want to be an astronaut here, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you finish that course then? No. No, okay. <laughs> was it hard? Well, yes. Um, and I was doing well, but uh, this is the part where I don't always tell people. I sort okay. of had a crisis of... I had I went into clinical depression, right. which is something I battle every day, really, yeah. with myself. But it's when I first learned that I had this right. to deal with in my life, yeah. and uh, so a lot of things uh, came to a halt, or I yeah. had to take time to reassess what was going on. So I did do two years mm-hmm. in astrophysics at the University of Virginia. That's basically a double major. So with all of that told you need uh, 120 credit hours to graduate 115 of those had to fit into this pattern so i didn't have much to play with in terms of extra classes special interests but intro to acting and directing and acting one fit into that those requirements so i took those two and i really enjoyed them i had no idea that's what i would end up doing Mm. So I ended up taking time off from school, started working professionally as an actor. My first role was as Mary Draper Ingalls in The Long Way Home, which is an outdoor drama. So you, when you, like, actually, when you, I listened to you there, the pivotal, there was a pivotal time of your life where you were going down one path and mm-hmm. a de- depression, black dog, whatever came in on you, which caused mm-hmm. you to stop that and go a different re- route, and mm-hmm. that's the route you've taken. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people come on here, and it's amazing, even over the three years I've been doing this, the stigma on, I mean, two in particular, the stigma on depression, mental illness, and also sexual identity are the two mm. things that they're, to- mm-hmm. and also women feeling like they're more able to stand up and say, no, or I 
you know, mm-hmm. I, I want. Yeah. You know, well, I had some of that going things. on in the depression too. <laughs> but there are three things yeah, that are really I'm actually noticing from people. People stuff, not afraid yeah. to talk about it. People afraid to not afraid to bring it up because actually. Well, lots of people have it and people think it's right. the destigmatization of it is the most mm. important thing which only happens when people can have a normal conversation about right. it you know and, right. and I mean I don't know how to explain exactly how that played into it so I don't always bring that up as yeah. I, I just shorten it and I say so I wanted to be an astronaut I started university in astrophysics mm. ended up with a theater degree yeah, yeah. Mm. so I had put that that interest in science into a box I put it away in a lot of ways felt like it was a failure because I didn't continue on that path. But I would try to think of it instead as I chose a different path. Mm. And so now what I'm doing is I'm taking that passion out of the box and putting it back into my life. Yeah, curiously, if you take the science and the acting, we're now back to Hattie, you know. (laughs) Right, right. No, That's what I was saying. I know. Yeah, yeah. So I, there's of, a point in the play where I say, <laughs> now the story takes a bit of a turn, but mm. comes right back to the matter at hand. That's exactly what this does. Which, did you know the story of Hetty when you were becoming an astronaut, for example? Absolutely not. No. Okay. So no. where did? So let's go. Where did you find about her? I found out about her when I was looking for a woman in science to feature in a solo <sighs> piece. Okay. Right. Right. Right? So I always thought I would land in some acting situation where I'd be playing an astronaut or be, be science-based or whatnot. And I never really came across that. And I've also always wanted to do a world tour and, and travel and act. And I never landed in a situation where I could do that. So I thought, gosh, it's at the point where I've got to find a way to do this myself so the most portable kind of show is a solo show and i wanted to then that makes sense to feature a woman in science Mm -hmm. so then it's deciding who to marry curie or dot 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 yeah right and a lot of people do suggest her but i feel like there's been a lot i'm making a point there of course of the fact that when you look through particularly science uh, you are just cascaded with males and the yeah. women there are lots of women there well and a lot and of the just, males what they were credited for was yeah. really their wife or their business associate or yeah. their research partner who really did the work but didn't get any credit behind for every it. successful man there's a woman rolling her eyes as they say <laughs> i never but, heard it i never heard it phrased that way <laughs> and we, we have the same issue here for example we've just uh, spent a number of years celebrating or commemorating our emancipation from Britain, our Mm, civil war and our Easter rising. As as one of my guests said, it's called history because it's written by men, Mm -hmm. his story. We couldn't find enough written history about how women contributed. And if you think about it, wars are all men fighting wars and men men setting off wars and women having to... That's a big point of the show as well. Yeah. When you say you were looking for a female to do your one-person show, which is also very interesting that you come up with that idea because it's quite brave to say, I'm going to do it myself and I'm going to get get a show going. Well, there's a, there's a circuitous path to how I got here as well on that well, go, go. Oh, well, at first I thought, oh, it's, I'm going to have to fight too many of my own demons to do the research and do the writing. I haven't done that before. Let me seek a writer, which I did, a male writer. And... Um, it ended up taking very long and not really coming to fruition that way. So 
I finally realized that I needed to do it myself, which was a very painful yet powerful gift. Why painful? The whole process that it went through when it wasn't happening. Okay. Um, the other way, physically writing it yeah. in the time that it needed to be addressed. And how did you find Hedy as your subject matter? Uh, well, in terms of trying to find uh, a woman to feature, okay, there's this woman, there's this woman, yeah. get ideas from people. And so when Hedy was suggested as an idea, it just seemed like a perfect story. An actress who loved to invent and invented something very unique and powerful and someone who hasn't gotten the recognition that Marie Curie has. A, a story that needed to come to light and also knowing that I was going to premiere the show and develop it through theater festivals. She's also a very intriguing subject. How did you come up with that idea? That's theater festivals. Yeah. Oh. It's an interesting way of distributing your, you know, rather than the uh, better knock on doors and get production companies and stuff like that. You're very, I mean, oh. what's interesting about what you did is you almost did the sort of goodwill hunting version of getting your own acting career off the ground, right? You know, Matt oh, Damon yeah. and your man yeah. wrote the whole screenplay yeah. and made sure they were in it. Sylvester yeah. Stallone did the same with Rocky, you know. He yeah. was not getting any acting parts, so he, write, he writes yeah. Rocky and he demands yeah. that he's the lead actor in it, you know. And you're, you've are you written something for yourself yeah. and come up with a way of getting it out in front of people, yeah. which is which is very intriguing. And did you, like, was there a... I'm scrapping all the time. Yeah, but, 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 no, but like, this is interesting for me because it just shows that, you know, there are different ways of getting stuff out there. Mm -hmm. And if you were suffering from, you know, rejection from people not helping, you just went and did it yourself. Yeah. I was working I've always yeah. been performing it just wasn't in that you know I never got the international tour I haven't been on Broadway but I've performed a lot in New York and I feel like I'm really re redefining what I feel success is from what well, to what well you know going back to the switch from astrophysics astronaut to acting uh, I feel like they're very similar people think they're very different but I feel like they're similar in that they both try to seek answers to the same questions from a d different viewpoint but who are we why are we here meaning all of life, these yeah. meaning of life questions mm -hmm. right yep. science and art are trying to answer those same questions Great. as well as religion from different well, viewpoints I don't usually put that one in but it's true so and I also feel like being an astronaut, being an actor, they both involve a transcendence of normal existence. So, so you were saying you had to redefine success redefine for yourself. Redefine success. What, would, what was that? Because um, most people think of it as you're in a major Hollywood blockbuster, or yeah. you're in you know a Tony-winning play. Which oh, that would be that would be a dream. That it's would not be over yet. No, 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 no. It can happen. <laughs> it can totally. It will totally happen. Yeah, I bet it will. <laughs> Very much so. But. Um, you know, because you're an actor, the stereotypical response people might get is, oh, what have I seen you in? Right. <laughs> so, of course, that means but you, you have must a have very been... Long, you have a very substantial list of credits. Oh, I do, you know, I do, I do, I do. In, you know, you were so, in The Good Wife and stuff like that, right? And, oh, yeah, I did some small yeah, work. But they small work count. on that. Yeah, they still yeah, count. I mean, you've got a, you've got a very long... I, mean, uh, uh, I need to update that CV. I okay. haven't updated that one in years. <laughs> you can find a link to... Um, Heather's website on the blurb of the podcast too. So have a yeah, look at that. Yeah, heathermassey.com. M-A-S-S-I-E. Uh, yeah, so. All right, so you wrote this thing. You found Hetty. And, <laughs> well, um, I, you know, I was trying to get to the, to the success. Yeah, the so, success, yes. Yeah, right, right. So 
somehow this show has really brought my life into focus, really given me uh, a specific purpose, and is helping me do work that I feel is very important, especially in inspiring young women in science and technology. So even though I'm not directly working in science and technology, I can be working in the United States. I can, I've been going to many communities in South Africa and then Zimbabwe and hopefully giving young women and, and everyone the courage to work toward their passions. Yeah. And especially for the young women, say, in South Africa and Zimbabwe, where they might get a lot more discouraging messages yes. than in other countries, but other countries as well, that they can find a way to put those discouraging messages in the bin. Yeah and really work toward what they want to do. If that passion is engineering, if that passion is poetry, if that right. passion is whatever it is, I really talk to them. I have talkbacks after every show, and I perform for all girls high schools, right. secondary schools, and they're getting so many messages from this show that are very powerful. Yeah. One, about going for what you want, not listening to the distractions that other people have, the misogynistic messages, the you're a woman, you should do these other things messages, really focusing on those things that you want and doing whatever you can to get there. Mm -hmm. And also the fact, you know, we addressed that Hetty was married six times. Yeah. That's been actually a very powerful aspect of the story mm -hmm. for the young women there because their lives can be very controlled by whoever they choose to marry. And uh, especially, you know, Hetty did marry some, some wealthy men, although she had means of her own for most of the marriages. But there's something in that culture called a blesser, an older gentleman who has money who marries a young woman, which happens in a lot of cultures, but really using this as a message to them to choose wisely the first time. Choose someone who is not going to dominate you dominate and suppress. and suppress the passions, yeah. but celebrate the passions yeah. and foster them and be a partner with you to create your life. You're, do, you're doing this in a very important work, which is almost semi-educational as well as, yeah. as cultural. We're coming into 2019 at a time when we've had Me Too, We've had issues in Ireland. You've probably picked up while you've been here with referendum on abortion right, and stuff right, like right. that. And a definite sea change in the last 18 months, two years, where, you know, my feeling... I mean, when, when the Me Too thing came out, I was just astonished at the number of people who were friends of mine on Facebook, for example, who said, Me Too. And oh. I was like, what? Me Too, Me Too. And I Actually, didn't understand yeah. the depth of this mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've had to burn friends because of their treatment of female friends of mine or mm -hmm. girlfriends of mine uh, because they think it's normal behavior and people shouldn't yeah. be so sort of prissy. But where do you see... So, you know, you're doing, you're doing this great work in terms of bringing... You're bringing the intelligence to life behind a starlet, mm -hmm. right? Which, you know, all those signals that you said you're sending out, I totally agree with to, say, young girls... But where do you see the Me Too movement, the, the fact that you as a woman, particularly in acting, you know, it started mm -hmm. with acting, mm 
Mm-hmm. How has how how is that felt living through that for the last two years? Hmm. You know, the, the ironic thing is I was actually working last year in South Africa when that all started. When I'm traveling abroad and working, I kind of put American news behind mm-hmm. so that I uh, don't have that stress in my life. But yeah, that was happening at that time. It's very important. Uh, there's so much further to go than yeah. where we are, but it's so important that it's happening. There's a lot about that in Hetty's story. I mean, the movie studios would control who they could date, who they could marry. Yeah, and she, and she kind of threw that away and did what she wanted. Mm. But I mean, they to the point where, funny thing on the opposite side of, of the referendum here, um, the movie studios sometimes when actresses would get pregnant would force them to have abortions right. in order to keep, keep working yeah. right so it's the opposite way they weren't allowed to keep their child yeah. there are a lot of notes in this play about what she had to go through as a woman in a man's world mm. to accomplish what she did and how much more she could have accomplished if she wasn't in that situation mm. if she gotten credit for the secret communication system in 1942 yeah she would have contributed a lot more technologically to the world. She'd probably be very proud of what you've done. I hope so. <laughs> and also in terms of what you do as a, as a brand, your own brand, you know, there's clearly not just her, there's clearly hundreds mm-hmm. if not thousands of women of her ilk yeah. who've done something, who've been ignored, who've mm-hmm. been misogynistically treated. Mm-hmm. And that element of it tends to kind right. of have gone away, you know? So, I, so is, is it fair to say that one of the things that you are looking for now from your brand point of view is that you've done, uh, Hedy, and you've got this momentum going, which is also almost by, you know, fate has pushed you here. You've, you're, you're representing and showcasing women over and above the cliche beauty and, and, and whatever. Are you going to start looking now for other women to, to do? Okay, Definitely, cool. Definitely, yeah. Who have you got on the... So many women. So my goal is to have a trilogy of shows on women in science and technology, STEM. So I'm focusing now on my second, mm-hmm. which will be on astronaut Sally Ride. There you go. Who was America's... Who died in the... Oh, no, 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 no. She didn't. She actually, she did die of cancer. Oh, sorry. Um, I'm Christina McAuliffe, yeah, as I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm sorry, noticing yes. that a lot of people are uh, equating the, f- the two. Yeah. She was a, the teacher. She was the first um, civilian, yes. really, to go as the teach, first teacher yeah. in space. And, McAuliffe um, was the lady who died, Krista I think. Krista McAuliffe, yeah, yes. Yeah. And uh, Sally Wright. I guess they've had similar hairstyles at yeah, that they, time. They maybe they're similar, yeah. So um, perhaps that's why people think that it was she that died on the Well, this is the perfect one now, it's astronauts and acting, yeah. Yes, um, but actually Sally was very important on the the teams that investigated both the Challenger and Columbia disasters. disasters. She was one of the only people on both of those teams. So you're going to write a a similar one-woman play based on her life? Yeah, you know, it'll have a different flavor because it's about a different person. What I do is I do all the research, you know, what I did with Hetty was I found all the books and uh, all the writings that I could on her, all the movies that she did, and especially any uh, recordings of her where she wasn't playing a character, where she yeah. was herself. And Podcasts just, like this, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just saw how, how that all spoke to me and all the interesting bits, and, and so I'll do that with Sally as well. 
Which yeah. I think I'm going to title Flying with Sally Ride, America's First Woman in Space. Great. Nice. So, yeah. Thank you. Well, you, I mean, Sally Ride. you should come to Ireland, go out to Galway and get a grant and spend three months holding up there in a writer's place and just I do it there. I want to do that. Yeah. I want to do, yeah, I need, I need some support. So uh, the first step before that, which I should try to, to secure that while I'm in Galway yeah. soon. Where you won a Best Actress Award at the Fringe I did at the Galway Fringe last, one. Yeah, last year. Yeah, the Fringe well is coming up soon this year, but I, I won that Best Actress Award, which was quite an honor. It's of my 12 awards, <laughs> which is very... Um, Huffington Post, everyone's... I mean, the, yeah. again, visit the website of, uh, of the show and you'll see uh, the accolades keep coming in. So it's going to involve some travel, and uh, I want to go to space camp. Yeah, I never did that as a kid. Hey, we were, guess we were... what? You're sort of becoming an astronaut. I exactly. <laughs> so you're leading to my point. You're leading yeah. to what my point was going to be. So the third woman I want to feature is Jane Goodall. Okay. Who did Gorillas. with uh, chimpanzees? Yeah, Gorillas, yeah. yeah. And so. I get to be all the things I wanted to be in third grade, an inventor, Brilliant. astronaut, animals. with animals, and Sally Ride was also an astrophysicist, so I get to do that to boot. That's a beautiful uh, full circle from the start of what yeah. we talked about. Before we finish, I detected when we were talking earlier about your childhood that there were some difficulties there, and you know, also when you've had your depression, but what would you say to the, young, the younger you, the developing teenager, the, the girl who had all these dreams, if you could go back and talk, what would you say to her? Oh, I was painfully shy. <laughs> um, You're certainly not shy now. Yeah, so I'm a weird mix of those two things, <laughs> extrovert and introvert. I never know which one I am. I, I don't know where I am in the Myers-Briggs. Yeah, I mean, I guess I've had to learn how to forget all those shy triggers in me because you have to, in order to get anywhere with acting you have to be selling yourself all the time which is a very hard thing which so now that my mission is to empower women to um, encourage young women in endeavors of science and technology to inspire audiences to find ways to make the world a better place and to establish Hetty as a role model for intelligence ingenuity and invention now I have a mission that makes it easier for me to constantly having to be selling what I do is hard when you're the product that yeah, you sell yeah. but as an actor that's one of the challenges as an actor that your business is to sell your brand well now my brand is this mission your brand is something over and above an actress yeah, yeah. so in terms of what I would tell my younger self gosh oh, it's getting over the the Irish Catholic yeah. uh, stuff guilt and shame yes. right so the shame was where a lot of the Me Too stuff affects my life and mm -hmm. the guilt about everything. <laughs> Every problem in the world is, is mine to, to bear the brunt of and to try yeah. to fix, right? But at least I've found my, my corner of human existence, my yeah. niche to, um, to focus on. Really, my, my life has been about trying to put away those... All those things that keep me in a corner, keep me in a box, keep me young, keep me quiet and seen and not heard, or you know, all these these messages that one gets. That no, I have to stand up, stand in my power, stand in my mission, and do the work that I'm supposed to be doing. 
Heather Massey, a very inspiring story. Thank you very much for coming on a pint with Shawnee B. The best of luck with the next two. I'm looking forward to the astronaut and the animal rights and yeah, all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah. And uh, keep, keep doing the good thing and keep fighting the good fight. Thanks. Thank you very much. It's been quite a pleasure. Ciao.